Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Thursday, April 27th, 2023, and it is a baseball day. We were talking about some baseball today. We're going to go over, you know, a couple things that have happened to these mid-week series, two really big series that took place. Uh, the Pirates legitimate contenders here. We're checking up on the guys that we had some takes on for this season, talking some trades. Tom's got his twice bi-weekly, buy or sell, someone of that nature. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Uh, you know, it makes me happy to watch the Dodgers lose. You know, the Giants are losing right now, but we are on a five-game winning streak. Um, that's just my little intro right there. Uh, Steph, how are we doing today? I'm excited to talk baseball today. We got I got a week left of classes, and then it's just straight work from then on. Tom, y'all on a five-game win streak, and you're still two games below 500. Um... Go Giants! <laughs> so right before this episode, we were talking about Shohei Otani getting traded. I think Stev's on our note sheet said that we're beating a dead horse by talking about it. But there's kind of a new angle that we've been talking about, especially last night as Tom. What was your point? Juan Soto is bad. He is playing bad. He hasn't been good or, you know, Juan Soto expected good in about a year. It's been it's been a while, and I, I'm, I'm getting tired of it. I'm getting tired of the excuses around Juan Soto. He's not getting lucky. He's doing all this the, the the all the peripherals look great um it's just if it doesn't translate you're not getting production i mean you, you don't pay the player for the peripherals you pay for actual statistics i really hope he breaks out soon but his his vision's been down he's been striking out more swinging and missing a ton more for a guy like juan soto um powers probably remains constant for him but i really am concerned for him as a player going forward i don't know what's wrong with him uh, i don't know if he's done with injury or if he's done, dealing with some mental things but he's not the same player right now he's not going to get no he, he bet on himself and he lost it's over i don't think there's any way he gets a contract offered to him that large ever again that's all steps well, okay, so I kind of, I kind of, I, I said something similar to that. Not that I've given up on him, but at what point are we going to give up on him? And I said that over the winter at some point, and you both kind of like laughed at me about it because you were like, it's Juan Soto, he'll be fine. And I just find it funny now that you're on the Steve train. But like, I mean, you look at him and he doesn't look 100% comfortable. Like, I, I mean, I've, talked about it a couple times he's made an adjustment to his batting stance the pitch clock is definitely it's definitely affecting him um I don't think he he, he doesn't love it he says there's not a, enough opportunity to play mind games like he likes to do um and I don't think he's fully prepared in the box each time because of it right uh it's I'm I again when we talked about it, I think you, you said something similar a couple weeks ago and I don't think it's quite there yet but he isn't looking good and I definitely think that the 415 million dollar contract the Nationals offered him or however much it was would look pretty bad at this point in time if if we had he had signed that deal and he would and he was performing the way he is right now he he looks like me out there he has gone opposite field once this season I mean, we knew he was a pull hitter going into the season, but like he has always had opposite field power. I, I, I let me let me go to a spray chart in twenty twenty one. I mean, very good. He's not been able to go the other way, and that's a big part of his game. I mean, you look at his spray charts in years prior. He he's very good at getting the ball to all parts of the field. Um, and this is the one season where I'm not even kidding. Through this point in the season, he has gone opposite field once, literally once. Um, 
the reason I, I expected him not to, you know, you know, he's Tuan Soto is going to come back, you know, in the off season was because he had a whole off season to, to kind of adjust, uh, especially with the big shift ban. You know, I thought that was going to be a big part of his game too, but he just, he's just not, you know, playing up to standards right now. And I think a reason is expected. What was still so high is because he's, you know, let's go. I walked, but I'm batting like 160. Like it, it's, he, he walks a couple times a game. I mean, good for him. He's also striking out double the amount he was before. Is that something he wants to be proud of? I don't know. I, he's, he, his batted ball profile is, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really confused about Juan Soto. He's got to get his contact back up. I don't know if it's an adjustment, but as, I, I saw another point here. We'll get to that in a little bit, but do you think the Padres need a new hitting coach? Because as a team, they have so much hitting talent on that team. And you got Machado and Soto severely underperforming to start the season. I, I don't know. Because you think of players that have gone to the Padres, right? And you can make an argument they've either succeeded or failed. And I feel like it's not much of an average. Like, there's not many average players. Like Machado's gone there, and he's had some of the best seasons of his career. The past two seasons, 2020, he was third in MVP voting, or second in MVP voting. Last year, he finished third. Uh, or no, last year, he finished second as well. And yeah, Fernando Tatis has come up and been great. I, maybe that's just because, not this year, I'm saying throughout his career prior yeah. to this year. Fernando Tatis has been very, very good. Bogarts has been very good this year. We're neglecting that right now. Jake Cronenworth is homegrown, but it's like, they have. I'm trying to think of bats that they've brought in and have left worse. Like Hosmer, maybe fits that category, but he was never that good in the first place. Uh, David Dahl has been kind of exactly what he is. Carpenter looks okay. Nelson Cruz looks pretty good. I think this is just more of a he's Juan Soto, so he's going to be under this fine tooth comb if he succeeds or fails. Because if he turns it around, it's props to the hitting coach. Yeah. Right? I'm and, like, I'm just looking at his plate discipline metrics, right? And his zone swing percentage is the lowest it's been of his entire career at 52.7%. So this means pitches in the zone, he's swinging half the time. And Stevs and I were having a conversation about, I think, Stevs, you would ask, like, is he uh, taking low and outside pitches or something like that, right? Or you said, like, it's he's yeah. just watching I... his pitches in his wheelhouse go by. And I think that I, something of that nature. Sorry, right, let me just make one point. And you got it. You're good. You're good. Tom, you're talking about how he doesn't go to the opposite field much anymore. It's just taking those pitches. Like you're not going to be able to drive the ball the opposite way any authority if it's in on your hands. If it's high in the zone, you got to get on top of the ball to do anything with that ball. I think he yeah. shifted his mentality a lot being in Washington, right? Like he he was kind of being kind of worked around so he was taking a lot so I think I think it is a much more of a bigger adjustment for him to now have to take or swing it he's getting pitched too because he's not at this point in time because you know Bogarts is Bogarts and Tatis and Machado are, are playing better than him right now he's not the guy on the team right so it, it's a it's very difficult for I think it, I think it's just adjustments right Again, it's 162 games. We're what, 30 games into the season? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I, he went 0 for 5 yesterday, which I think is the first time he's ever done that in his career, which is not good. But again, maybe this will be the the flip of the switch, and he he'll be good. Or 0 for 5, one game, and then he's gonna be good for the rest of the season. I don't know. At some point, the switch will flip. I don't think it's time to give up on him yet, but I think. Tom's on the right track. I don't think he's ever going to get a contract like Washington was going to offer him. I, I'm concerned 
because unlike some other players, I mean, we talk about Yandy Diaz making the adjustment of launching the ball more. He's done that, and now he's succeeding. The problem with Juan Soto is not just the fact that his discipline appears to be shaken up. It's also his batted ball profile is awful. He has a 4.9 line drive percentage, a 4.9. That is one of the worst in all of baseball. He's grounding out. He's grounding. Uh, he's, he's ground ball percentage, 57%, um, popping up more than he ever has in his career. His batted ball profile looks bad too. So even when he's making contact, it's not the most solid. It's you know coming off the bat hard, which gives him those good peripherals, but it's going either straight into the ground, straight up, or not a line drive. It's not going. You know, it's not going there because he's not hitting line drives anymore. He he. I, I've always considered him to be someone that has such a good awareness of the strike zone that I never had any doubt that you know he takes a pitch on the outside corner. He knows if that's outside or not. He knows that that's not in the zone. But now I'm 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 kind of having doubts. Like I don't know if he's even aware of the strike zone anymore. He used to have this really strong awareness of it, and I don't think he has that anymore. That's something he's gonna have to work on, uh, especially with this. With moving forward, he's going to have to work on the discipline. I agree. And I kind of wanted to transition it to the topic that we wanted to focus on a lot today, and that's trades, right? There's the whole, there's an article that came out last week. We were talking about it. Um, basically, if the Padres want Otani, they need to get rid of Soto. And Stevs last night pitched the idea of it being in the form of a trade where Soto is either sent for pitching prospects to another team, those prospects go to the Angels, and the Angels give Otani. Padres, right? And did I get that pretty much right? Or yeah, it's just some, straight something, something, something around that. Like, because obviously the the Padres depleted their the Padres depleted their farm system last year when they went out and got Soto, so they don't have the prospects to acquire uh, Shohei Otani right now. And we talked about I threw out the idea of just Soto going there for Otani plus prospects but again like i just said they don't have the prospects to do that especially none that are needed when you're losing not only an ace but a high level bet at in shohei otani and it's also like if you were to deal otani you can't or deal soda sorry you can't deal him for prospects because you're trying to just undo the trade you actually have to get major league talent out of it and from the looks of it the thing the padres need is starting pitching right and i guess you can get that in otani you're getting starting pitching and a DH, but here's the issue. Two of their roster spots are taken up by DHs right now in Cruz and Carpenter. So you're going to have to do some reformatting there in itself. Maybe you can try and pack, send one of them off for a utility bat, uh, give Jose Azucar a little bit more playing time, have him on the main roster something of that nature. But I don't think, I don't think they will make this trade because it's just, not logical at the moment i think if the padres are to go for otani it'd be more of a free agency move uh, yeah i was gonna say they're going to go after him in free agency which if they could land him that's an incredible team for next year um and years to come even if they do lose soto after next year um i don't i don't i could see it as a means to get Otani in kind of acclimate him to San Diego and try and 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 again it, let's say Soto's not performing at a high level and you, someone offers you pitching prospects and you could somehow work out a three-team deal with uh the Angels I, I don't see why why you wouldn't take that right because mm-hmm. you get Otani um yeah you make the again Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz are, are 50-50 
but you could you could easily uh, ship Nelson Cruz to another team, and because he's he's they platooned them as righty DH, lefty DH. Um, so you could easily kind of flip flop and maneuver things around, right? I, I I I wouldn't dislike them doing that, but I don't I don't I I, I agree with you. I don't know if it's logical. There's also um, the idea that the Angels pulling angels and actually try and trade Otani for major league talent because there is a world where the angels could get better by trading Otani. Like uh, you could raise the average, right? You're obviously not going to replace Shohei Otani, the player, but you could bring in a starting pitcher to help the rotation, bring in a reliever to help the bullpen, or you could bring in an infield bat in any way that it could really benefit the team in all honesty. Um, we had down here like trade candidates, right? And one of the big things uh, that's not on this list, is it on this list? I can't find it. Or is the White Sox starting pitching? Uh, I have to a couple of them. I don't have a, I don't have Giolito because we kind of talked about him last time. So the thing is, right, there's no star-studded free agent pitcher besides Otani hitting free agency this offseason. There's Lance Lynn with a club option. There's Giolito become a free agent. Mike Clevenger will become a free agent. A couple smaller ones like Paul Blackburn. Um, we've talked about Sean and I. We've talked about Ross Stripling. We theorized them either going to the Mariners or Cardinals, right? Alex Cobb is in that boat as well. It's just there's not a huge trade market this offseason or this season. So I think it's there might be a lot of major league talent swapped for major league talent this year. Uh, something really similar to the Starling Marte for Jesus Lazardo trade of a couple seasons ago. Um, or you try and look to a team like the Dodgers or the Guardians or the Rays who have tons of pitching in their youth. I mean, there is a world where where the Dodgers are selling at the deadline, not not for a rebuild, but for a retool. I mean, this could be, you know, the year that they missed the playoffs for the first time ever, but, you know, it would be cool. Um, and there is some pitching talent that, you know, could get cut off. Brad, you mentioned Julio Rios and um, some other guy. Shoot, who's the other guy? Well, I said they need to DFA uh, Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, Noah Syndergaard is not going to get moved anywhere, actually. I, I realize that now. But, I mean, there are some pieces on the team that can maybe get moved. I mean, I, there is, I honestly – I'm a little worried about the Padres' offense right now. I mean, although they are pretty stacked, they, they haven't been performing at the level I would have thought. I would have thought they were easily the best offense in baseball. Um, and that has partially to do with the fact that Machado and Soto are not playing half as good as they're supposed to. But I mean, does that ever, you know, come back? I like are are the Angels gonna even want Juan Soto if he's playing that bad? I think if the Angels are being smart, they don't go for major league talent. They go for triple A pitching, which makes me very, very worried that the Dodgers are gonna be the front runner for Otani, given that we have Stone, Papio, Grove, Miller, you yeah, name it, right. we have it. Yeah. It's it's prepared. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been lined up this whole time. You know, Dodgers not being offensive in the you know, free agent market last season. You knew it was going to happen. Um, th- this is the least active we've ever seen this franchise in the history of baseball. This team is always out spending money. So I don't think I, I, I don't think they can even, quote, overpay Otani because they have the money to spend at this point, And they really don't really care about the salary, the um, luxury tax anyway. So I, I'm not worried about it. Um. As for my Giants, though, I do see it. I do see it possible. Alex Cobb gets moved at the deadline. He is, you know, having 
quite a good season, a good start to the season at least. He's been looking – you know, I've always seen it with him in his peripherals, but it's never really showed in his expected stats uh, to, compared to his regular stats until now. Yeah, and just like looking at teams that like are these sellers, are these – like for where we are on April 27th, we're one month – or we're three days away from being a month into the season. And like right now the Cardinals sit at the bottom of the NL Central. I don't think any one of us thought that. But I don't think – there are teams that I don't think will be sellers no matter the situation they're in at the deadline. The Cardinals, one of them. The Phillies, one of them. Um, I don't entirely think the Dodgers will sell, um, at least Urias. I think they would sell like a bullpen arm or two, given that we have like an entire trade deadline of relievers on the IL right now. Uh, Red Sox won't sell at the deadline. Mariners won't sell at the deadline. Like Mariners or Guardians, yeah. I see. I disagree with the Guardians. I disagree in the fact that I think the Guardians would trade for someone with two or three years left of control, an offensive player with two or three years of offensive control for one of their endless pitching prospects. Yeah, they have a lot. They 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 definitely have an abundance. That 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 would make sense, but I don't see them in a position to be selling, to be honest. I think I think they have a they're always a slow starting team. They'll they'll pick it up soon. Uh and then Tom, you had on here somewhere. Where was are you talking about the twins? What was one of your uh, buyer sells for today? Oh, you want to do it? Yep. I, I kind right. of want to like go between them. Okay. Um, this buyer sell, um, says I don't know if you read this one. I have uh mm-hmm. buyer sell. The Twins missed the playoffs. I'm buying. I'm buying. Miss m- miss the playoffs entirely. Like not like it's not like win the division or no, not make a wild. It, they don't even well, make a wild card. They don't make a wild card. But 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 think about it for a second though. If they don't win the central, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's, yeah. The only way they get into the playoffs is if they win the central. And I, at this point, don't know. I think they came off the gate pretty uh pretty hot, and I think they cooled off a little bit. And I am a little worried about the health on the offensive side. And you know whether or not the pitching staff maintains their dominance. I mean, Kent Tomatoes already looked a little flaky. And he's gone um, in the IL. Yeah, so I don't I don't necessarily see this team continuing, and I also see a team like the Guardians taking over. I don't see the White Sox doing it, but I see the Guardians taking the number one spot, and I don't see the Twins beating a lot of those uh, AL powerhouses for a wild card spot. You see, the thing, I, I think it's going to be either three or four teams from the AL East make the playoffs, yeah. one or two from the West, yeah. and then the winner of the Central, right? So it's are the Guardians good enough to beat the Twins right now, or who's more mediocre? I and think the Twins are going to slow down. Go ahead. I think they are slowing down right now. And if this is what they are, though, a 560 winning percentage team, right? And I don't even think it'll be that good, in all honesty. I think uh, 560 is a 90 win, 91 win season, right? And I honestly think that's about where the winner of the Central will be. I think I had the winner of the Central at 89 wins. Um, the Guardians can get there. They're two games out of first right now, but I don't – Josh Bell isn't going. Jose Ramirez has been solid but not like a top five MVP candidate. It's – can the Cleveland Guardians get going enough? Can their pitching be good enough to compete with the Twins who are a little bit more well-rounded? And I just think that I, – I don't know with the miss the playoffs buy or sell right now. You got – just give me a solid answer really quick. I'm I'm buying it because I, I truly believe that, you know, because obviously as we mentioned, if they don't – if they don't win the Central, they're done. And I really I really do think only, what, like 25 games into the season, I think a team like the Guardians can easily cruise into that spot. They're they're a pretty streaky team as we know. 
I mean, just to go off of my preseason predictions, I'll go with the bye. Stabs, what do we got? Okay, so I'm going to buy it, but I think it's primarily because I think Josh Bell and, and J-Ram will ha- come to and be good for the rest of the season. I also think the addition of Tristan McKenzie when he comes back will be very, very pivotal for the Guardians team. Um assuming because what he's how long is he supposed to be out for like another month or so i think it was eight Um, weeks at the time of injury yeah so probably another month or so um so i think when he comes back it'll be very very good and i think at that point that's when everything will click for the guardians and they'll be good throughout the rest of the season but i don't i don't entirely think that the twins are going to be out of it right like i think it's going to be a race to the very end um because i think the twins are going to scuffle now and they're going to get healthy at the right time and try and make a run back at first i mean i'm back yeah okay so the thing is right who is reaching free agency right they have tyler molly who's in arbitration three if Emilio Pagan and Arb three, Caleb Tiobar and Arb three, but those are the really only guys you could sell. Gallo, you could trade at the deadline. He's been actually very solid this year, which has been a really good sight. But it's, would you be willing to sell at the deadline if you're five games out of first? No. Um, I would say no. I think I think they have a pretty solidly constructed roster to the point where it's not it's not worth you know, giving up everything. Is Gallo on a two-year deal or does he have like an extension or an option or anything? Uh, it's a one-year deal. It's just, it's just a one-year deal. I think okay, it's, it's one year, one-year. 11 million. Yeah. So I think, I, I think the twins have a future, a maintainable future. Um, and I wouldn't give up on that quite yet. Yeah. Well, is there other teams that like the Royals? Obviously, are out of it. Uh, we have a role this Chapman on our trade block. Obviously, it really looks like it is going to happen. Um, he's been very solid. I think someone pointed out who doesn't want a dominant lefty at the trade deadline. It's if he can be what he is right now, teams will go out and buy him. And there's so many teams that could just use a left-handed reliever. The Cardinals have Tyler O'Neill that they could move. I think that's been speculated speculated a lot ever since the incident with Oliver Wall a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Daniel Bard, if he comes back, but I don't think they'll move him on because they just signed him to that two-year deal. CJ Crone. Um, it's just they got to get him out of there. It's not a big free agent class is the thing. It really isn't. I, I'm not I'm not impressed. Um, I was a little more hyped at the beginning of the season when CJ Crone came out the gate, you know, extremely hot. Um, but – He's cooled off significantly, and I think, I mean, almost the time is. I don't think the time is necessarily passed for CJ Crone to be traded, but they definitely missed, you know, two opportunities to trade him at a deadline for some pretty good prospects too. Uh, and they've just made the decision to be mediocre instead. Uh, that's that's the Rockies for you though. <laughs> Striving for eighty-one. They can play five hundred ball. Um, they are not going to be five hundred. <laughs> so I'm looking at this article right now, written on Bleacher Report. It's ten most player or ten players most likely to be traded in 2023 right yeah uh, honorable mention is corbin burns Ooh, ooh. we forgot a big one Tiddle. for the white Sox. tim anderson oh timmy he's i don't the think dodgers. they're i he's don't think the they're dodgers. gonna move him at the deadline 
He's literally a Dodger. He's a Dodger. That's why. Game. That's why. That's why I didn't add him. So the thing is, right? But again, we can talk. He has a club option for next year, or he's a free agent. I feel like yeah. if he gets traded, they waive the club option. He's gonna get traded to the Dodgers. I I already know it's happening. I hate it as a Giants fan, but he's gonna be a Dodger. I I'm sold. I I've already I've already I've already read up on this one. Uh, Steph, I don't know why he left them off. This is a, this is one of the bigger names here. Well, yeah, because I, I, I don't. I think they're gonna pick up his club option. That's why I left them off. Why, no, but why would they if they're if they're not competing and they realize that they're not probably not gonna compete next season? What's the point? Because you know? they're the White Sox. Yeah, that's a good point. But you should have left him on there, Steve. Good discussion. I, my point. apologies. It's okay, Steve. I forgive. The, <laughs> the rest of the rest of this article has players that have either been extended or on teams that are actually good. So, I believe I looked at that exact. Like Luke, Lucas Giolito's number five. Tyler O'Neill six. It's just there's not. It's not a big trade deadline. So I think a lot of prospects might actually get moved around. We might look at the Cardinals to move a couple of their big prospects. Look at the Guardians. Look at who even has big prospects. The Orioles could definitely be going in trying to steal a trade deadline arm. Um, they could definitely use a starting pitcher here or there. But I kind of wanted to get into a couple big series that happened this week, and then we'll get into Tom, the rest of Tom's uh, buyer sells for this week, right? And then we have to do a little checking up on our guys. Which one do you guys want to start with? Does you go ahead and start with uh, probably the biggest hit ever in Jared Kelnick? You go for it. Talk about him. Okay. Um. So yeah. So Jared Kelnick um, currently is probably in the top ten in MVP voting for the American League. Um, four four two x woba, uh, one out above average, fifty eight point two hard hit percentage on one point three f four. Um, he had a negative point five f four in his first two seasons. Um, he he's just kind of turned everything around. He looks he looks comfortable at the plate. He's using both sides of the field uh, incredibly well, and he just he looks like the player that we expected him to be. And he's made those adjustments. We talked about it a couple times. Um. Play. I think Brad Brad asked uh, who are if we could buy stock in any of the ex players for the rest of their career, who would it be? And Brad said he would pick Jared Kelnick because he's we've seen him now make the adjustments, and we will continue hopefully to see him make those adjustments throughout the rest of his career. And this was a piece that was very 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 important for the uh, Seattle Mariners because if he could come in and play how he was supposed to play when he first came up, it's very good for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. I mean, I really do like the adjustments Jerry Kelnick has made. These are like actually repeatable things too. Like he's, he's a lot more disciplined swinging at pitches in the zone instead of, you know, chasing like crazy. He's now hitting the fastballs, like off speed that he couldn't hit before. He has, he is, he is truly having a blossoming season. However, it's time to talk about my number two MVP um, in my, my rankings, Kyle Tucker, uh, who has been, you know, a sneaky MVP pick this season. Uh, 400 Woba to a 456 expected Woba. That means he's still manages to, you know, underperform his expecteds. Uh, 1.2 F4, 16.8 walk percentage versus a 15% strikeout percentage. That is elite. He has a good plate approach. He's got good speed. He's got a good glove in the field. He's going to be a guy that might have one of the highest wars in baseball by the end of the season. It's just, it's simple. Kyle Tucker for MVP. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he's MVP. But he's doing very good to start off the season. Um, 
And I think he'll continue to do good. Again, when you said you wanted, you picked him as the Astros MVP, none of us were really surprised. You're like, it's kind of a medium take. And we're like, it's not really a medium take. Uh, we could definitely see it. And I think he's proving it so far throughout the season. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about Michael Conforto uh, of my San Francisco Giants. Um, like a lot of other guys in this team, he has a really high hard rip, hate, sorry, hard hit percentage. They really, they really like preaching that in the Giants organization. There's a lot of guys with high exit velocities on this team. 336 uh, Woba, very high strikeout rate. Uh, but that's what you go with Michael Conforto. I've looked back at his whole career stats. He's been a strikeout guy his whole career. He has not looked too good in the field, but he's still coming back from the injury. So, or, I mean, I guess maybe he's trying to take it easy out there. Um, but I don't know. I like his, his hit tool. Uh, he's been heating up a little bit recently. Uh, he's just got to get comfortable in the lineup again. It's been a season without, you know, him playing, so it's going to be difficult to adjust again. I definitely agree. I'm not – again, I'm, I am I wasn't really questioning Michael Conforto and his abilities. I just don't – I just don't like him on the Giants because the Giants suck. But um, it, it's definitely – it's going to be fun to watch um, how he kind of bounces back from that injury and see how he – progresses through the rest through the rest of the season and in the next season so i i kind of enjoy this exercise i'm also batting one for four right now in this whole thing uh we all know that eric lauro wasn't going to age well but right now he's uh i took him in my Cy young draft in like the ninth round and he has 26 innings pitched right now to a 519 era the expected era actually looks worse uh the fastball below is the big concern it's way down. It's down 2.2 miles an hour on average, down to 91.1 miles an hour. And that's not what you want for a blossoming uh, baseball player. Uh, there's one I did want to talk about with Stevs, the not a top 10 second baseman, Brandon Lau. Um, yeah, Brandon Brandon Lau. Um, I, made a, I, I made a blunder. I'll be, I'll be honest. I made a blunder in, in not putting Brandon Lau and putting Glaber Torres in my, in, my, uh, in my rings. But also, uh, the Rays have we knew the Rays were going to be good, but we didn't know they were going to be this good. Right. So that's very, very helpful to their hot start that they've had to start the season. Um, again, he's batting. He has a, he has a 365 Woba, 391 expected Woba, um, five 55.8 hard hit percentage like that. That's just going to, it's going to translate to results and it, and it has thus far through the season. Um, it, what it has to hit 30 home runs. We said for me to get a Jersey of him. Yeah, um, I mean, I hate to say it, this is pretty on par with Brandon Lau's seasons, you know, first career. Uh, other than last year when he was dealing with injuries, this is pretty on par for a Brandon Lau season. This is not out of the ordinary. This isn't like a lucky start. This is pretty Yeah, this pretty is normal what, why Tom and I both have I in say, our top 10. <laughs> I didn't say it's a lucky start. I'm just saying, like, it, it's them being on this track is very, very helpful for him just to have this type of season. Yeah, so, that, I mean, that, that one's going to age like milk. Um, we kind of knew that though. Yeah. Uh, there's also another Sevs one that's going pretty well right now, Josiah Gray. Yeah, Josiah Gray. I mean, again, I was gonna pick him. He's he's my guy. Um, I, I'm extremely excited to watch him pitch for the rest of the year. He started off his first start was shaky. Then it didn't look good after start number one, but he's pitched phenomenally in. Well, not phenomenally. He's pitched extremely well in the rest of the games. He has a one and four record, but that's because his team literally did not score runs in three out of his four starts or whatever. 
And the one run they did score was after he was out of the game as kind of just like a consolation prize by Cabrera Ruiz. But when he pitched um, on Tuesday, he actually got run support from them. The Nats ended up winning 5 nothing to the Mets. Um, he pitched six innings, gave up four hits, and he had one walk. One walk to nine Ks. That is very, very good. That's, that's the big thing. He has to limit both him and Mackenzie Gore have to limit walk, have to limit the walk, and that's what they've been doing. Um, he's he's pitched to a 2.93 ERA so far. Um, he's in the 94th percentile on average exit velocity. Like, I'm not fully bought in right now. Like, he was my real, and I think he is real, but I need to see once the once the – once we get later into the season in June, July, and it gets a little hotter outside and that ball gets to carry a little more, I want to, I need to see how he pitches then. And then you talked about a guy not getting run support, right? Uh, Tom, we had George Kirby. He threw a complete game today and he took the L. Yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't looked bad this season. I know the expected ERA and the ERA is going to change, but going into this game, he had a three, five, seven ERA to a 4.25 expected. That's going to go down pretty significantly. Went pretty deep into this game against a really good Phillies lineup. Um, he's really good at limiting walks, and he has a really good FIP. Um, I'm pretty sold on this guy. I just wish he developed a secondary pitch. He'd have significantly higher strikeout numbers if he could pair something with that forcing fastball, which is one of the better fastballs in all of baseball. Um, I like the future for this guy. He's young, he's got talent, and he's not in a kind of a position to, you know, let people down because he's in the he's in the three hole in, the, in that rotation he's not the star yeah but uh, I, wait, actually actually wait wait i have a question this is this is related to stev's take and, and I, i'm asking brad because stev's you're a little biased but if you could buy in on one of the two the, one of the two pitchers on the nats the two young guys would you buy in on gore or gray who do you like more out of those two going in, into the future i mean i know they're both going to be nats for a while but you know who do you like more from those two i'm pulling up mckenzie gore stuff right now I like that right now, Josiah Gray isn't walking people. Uh, it's his best walk percentage of his career right now. Um, his expected stuff actually looks very similar to Mackenzie Gore. He's not letting up too many barrels. Mackenzie Gore is a little bit lower in some percentiles, but also a little bit better in others. It's difficult to say, but I think I'm going to take Mackenzie Gore on strikeouts. Steve, where are you at on this one? I'm curious. I literally could go either way. Um I, I, I lean a little more towards Josiah Gray because I like the uh, intensity he brings um, when he's out on the mound. Mackenzie Gore is very meticulous about how he works. Um, he's very hard on himself, which can get you into trouble sometimes. Um, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either pitcher. Like Brad said, they're very similar and expected. Um, and I think that that's, that's accurate. One of them's lefty, one of them's a righty. They come at you with different looks. Um, and I, I, I like I like both these players. I think both of them uh, sucks the players that we had to trade to get them. Both of, both of them hopefully will be Nats for a long time. But where where are you at, Tom? Because you I mean, are a secondary I, Nats fan. I, I'm probably just gonna go. Please. I'm gonna go with Gore just because just because if Gore does manage to lower his walk percentage, he he will be you know really really good. Um, pretty good at soft contact. Now with the stri- high strikeout rate, he is the only the only you know issue is the walk rate on him. Now I really think that honestly, if you told me that that Shy Gray and Mackenzie Gore were pitching, you know, significantly better than we all expected, I would I would probably say you're you're smoking, dude. There's just no way after year one that they're both already you know blossoming into better players. Um, 
but you know they're making adjustments fast, and I don't think it's because of Jim Hickey because he's not a good pitching coach. But you know, clearly something's happened in the offseason. They they both look a lot better. What, I don't do think you, you can think entirely. Like? I don't think you can entirely say that Jim Hickey is an atrocious. He's not good. He's not good pitching coach. But I can't. You can't say the success is completely. There's no way it's from Jim Hickey. I I don't. I don't think you can do that. Brad, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't. I think Josiah Gray got outsourced to driveline this year because he did. Um, he no, did. he was a he was a tread guy. He was a tread guy. Um, I think Mackenzie Gore's had the stuff. Like he he showed signs of life with the Padres. I want to see you bring up the point about Josiah Gray when the when the weather heats up. I want to see Mackenzie Gore when he gets into his tenth start. I don't care about the weather. I want to see how he how the league sees him the second time around. It's fair. All right, so. All right. With that, I want to talk about two really big series that happened this week. Uh, first of all, the Tampa Bay Rays hosted the Houston Astros for a three-game set, and the Rays lost two out of three, the first two losses in the trap all year. Uh, we're back on the Astros hype train, right? Um, I mean, there's a couple of players that I wouldn't have expected, like uh, especially Dubon having a 21-game hitting streak, you know, former Giant that we got, that they got for basically no- – I mean – I. I'm not salty. I'm not salty. I mean, his peripherals probably don't look too good. He's more of a contact guy, but I mean, he's been he's been a pretty good, you know, substitute for uh, Altuve. Not not for the power aspect, but you know, he's definitely getting on base like he was. Um, I I'm impressed with Dubon. He's been a pretty good substitute, and everyone else on the team's been performing well. I think Luis Garcia had a good start as well. Um, against this pretty stacked race team, which was a good a good sign for him. Uh, didn't have a good start to the season. I, 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 from a race perspective and a Astros perspective, I wouldn't worry about either franchise. I think they're both going to be powerhouses this season, but I don't know. It had to slow down eventually. Um, I, I was never really off of the Astros hype train. Um, I think they're going to be good. And, um, I, I mean, you, you look at what they have and it's, it's, it's got it's got to click eventually, and also, I mean, you look at the injuries and stuff that they have, and and guys like Altuve, um, or he's ahead of schedule. They're gonna get uh, Brantley back soon. Uh, it, it it's all gonna click at the right time, um, and I think it, it it was it was a good series. They definitely needed to kind of show up and kind of show who the the beast of the AL is, and I think they kind of did that again. Just one series and the in what april through the weekend of april but it is what it is uh i i do think though they, they did just come off with the brave series where they also did take it i just think they're out of that beginning of the season slump where people were overreacting thinking the astros were a bad team <clears throat> tom um you were you were saying that the astros this might actually be their true identity um I I was worried. I'm and I I I more said that so in the postseason. I I'm I'm worried about their postseason run. I I'm not worried about them making the postseason or not. Uh, however, my concerns at the beginning of the season when they lost a couple games to some pretty awful teams that was concerning to me. But in my preseason predictions, when I said they were gonna, you know, when they were gonna struggle, I meant in the playoffs. I think this is the year that they make the playoffs and they struggle. But no, Steph, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna talk about how it's just terrible that. Tampa Bay is the Rays are still in Tampa because there was like no one at the games. It's like the reigning World Series champion and the best team in baseball, and there's like nobody at the drop. It's just it's just atrocious. 
Yeah. And also, yeah, Tom, no, you were just, you were, you were absolutely crapping on the Astros, even in the regular season. You're like, this might be their true identity, man. It's not, it's not looking good for the Astros. And we're like, Tom, it's been like, it's been like two weeks. Calm down. You're like, nope. Power rankings, they're off on the next power rankings. Here comes my padded response. You're a Nats fan. Okay. I'm just kidding. You're a Giants I'm fan. Uh, we're just playing. You have no team. future. Uh, uh, no, but I, I do think, I, I, okay. The Astros are a good team. Um, they struggled at the beginning of the season. Their starting pitching did not look good, and now it does. That's the difference. Um, Hunter Brown has just put in another good start. Luis Garcia looks good. I don't know about Christian Javier. Has he? Did he have a good start last last appearance? Yeah. Yep. So they they are all coming back. You know, they're all they're all kind of bouncing back from a you know a slow awakening at the beginning of the season. Um, Jordan Alvarez obviously is not in the 100th percentile for every single statistic like he was last year. But he's still managing to drive in a ton of runs, so I, I think they're I think they're set. And once Altuve comes back, uh, they're pretty scary. And you know, seeing that Dubon is actually like a good, you know, speedy little contact hitter that doesn't strike out with good glove, that seems like a like a good player to have on a team. I would I would like to have that. That's okay. And there was also one other big series in my eyes that took place this week, but the Pirates kind of proved that they're. At least the first part of the season contender. Uh, they took two out of three from the Dodgers. And I think this was their first real test of like an actual competent big league team. And they kind of they stacked up pretty well. Like they weren't out of any game. They won two of them. Dude, very well they could have swept. I mean, the the the, the Dodgers did storm back, and that was because, you know, uh the Pirates bullpen is not incredible, but <laughs> number um, three in baseball and F4. I know, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of names, though, they're performing like it, but they also, like you mentioned, haven't played a really good team yet. So I think that's kind of being exposed here in a, in a lineup that doesn't really have too many cracks in it. Uh, but Jack Swinski, man, big, big robbery for him. I I think this Pittsburgh offense is more legit than their pitching staff. Um, I don't know how long the pitching staff continues before it starts to fold a little bit, but uh, we'll get to we'll get to one of my buyer cells later. But they, they might go out and get some pitching later on. Um, it could be, could be on. Yeah. Can I just, can I just say the buy or sell? I'm sorry. Yes, I, I got yes. I got to bridge it. My buy or sell. Wait, actually I have two pirates buy or sell. I'm going to go with the first one first. That's more related to what I was talking about. The pirates will be big buyers at the deadline. Is that a buy or sell for you guys? That is a sell. Sell, no. Brad. Sell. Screw that. Why did you have it? <laughs> okay. Next. This is, this is a little bit, this is, this is no, that first one was a little bit more of like a, yeah. Okay. But this next one will make you think a little bit. Buy or sell, the Pittsburgh Pirates will finish above the Cardinals in the standings. So. I don't know. I think, I think the good. Cardinals I think the Cardinals will make the trade for pitching that they need. I mean, but who's the pitcher? I, yeah. I don't know. But who, I think who's they get will moved? make There's the no, trade for pitching. Mason they just don't have enough. I don't know. Uh, no, who's the pitcher? Yeah. Who's the pitcher they're going to go out and get? You got There's a lot of people that are locked down on contracts right now, but unless the Phillies are somehow Orphan sucking and they want to get rid of Aaron Nola or something, but like that's not going to happen. I I think it's very possible. Um, and I kind of expanded off on this take and said that they they finish above the Cubs too. I mean, that's not going to so, be surprising, but you know. Basically, what you're saying is, do you think they will finish second in the NL Central? Yeah, and 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 my even deeper take was. They all missed. They all missed the playoffs. Like the Cardinals, Cubs, 
and Pirates all miss the playoffs. That's my deepest take. Um, I actually see that as possible. I see this as a, kind of a mirror of the AL Central being that I think the Central team that doesn't win the division is not going to make the playoffs because there's a lot of other really good teams in the East and West that are going to, you know, get those wild card spots before a team in the Central does. The thing um, is, right, the NL West has been entirely mid through this first month. The AL East, outside of the Braves and Mets, has been entirely mid. And then and right the now, Mets. right now, three of the six playoff teams are coming from the Central. Obviously, still at five months. It's just the Padres don't look legit. They don't look like an 107-win team. They look at most like a 95-win team. But to that point, the Dodgers don't look like a 90-win team. Um, I will buy on your Cubs, but I don't know about the Cardinals because it's it's again your Giants were eight and or your Giants were what six and thirteen and they won five yeah. games. Now they're two games below five hundred. That's where we are in the season right now. The Cardinals can do the exact same thing. I mean, yeah, a lot can change in a couple of weeks, but I honestly. Even for this powerhouse of a Cardinals offense, they've looked even even the offense by itself pretty shaky over the last couple of months. I'm sorry, a couple of weeks, man, months. Yeah, that's gonna be us in a little bit. But you know, I'm buying my own take because the hotter the take, the better. Um, I'm taking it. I'm buying it. Stevs, you look at me funny. What a couple of months when the Pirates are our World Series champions. I'm just kidding. Um, we did have them making the the World Series. Last <laughs> our our stimulator. Steps did not. Um, but <laughs> I um, think I think there's a, there's a world where this could happen, but it's solely reliant on the Cardinals pitching being bad as it is. I I could, and and the Cardinals stay at the pace that they're at. I I don't. Was the Jordan Jordan Walker happened yesterday, right? Yeah. That I don't understand the move. I don't get it. Like you. I don't, I don't, because we need, we need, no, we need to talk about it. Why are they, why did they put Jordan Walker down? And add Taylor Motter. It was stupid. It was stupid. He's batting 274. He's batting, he's better than that dude. Average bad, come on. I Uh, I know, but again. Move to expected Woba. I'm just kidding. No, but but still, even that's pretty good. So, I mean, I like Jordan Walker. I, I think it was way too early to pull him out. I mean, he's, he made, he made history, man. I mean, like. The guy has a talent. He's going to be – I think he's going to be the best from this class, although we do have to talk about Corbin Carroll and how he's been on a kind of a tear recently, you know, going from, you know, a league average bat to now above average. Uh, and multiple walks. And multiple walks. He's walking now. Um, no, but in, in, in general, I, I think that – I'm not worried about Jordan Walker. I think as an organization, it's stupid to send him down to the minors, especially at this point in the season. It's been a couple of weeks. You can't give up on him that fast. That's bad for his mental health too. I mean, you know, your team just gave up on you. Welcome back to the minors, baby. Like, like they, he was doing just fine. Like he, now, now he, now he seems he's probably gonna think that he has this super high standard he has to meet, and that's hard as a baseball player. The Cardinals just as a at this point in time as a franchise just don't feel like they don't feel like a good franchise, right? Like, like they're a historic franchise. Like they are known for winning and playing well and whatever, right? It doesn't feel like they have that culture. It, it They feel like they're directionless, but they ha- they should have a direction. 
they're good at building a farm. They're good at drafting. They're good at you know developing prospects. Exactly, they have all the tools to be good. They just don't. Have they're pitching. like the Dodgers. They're like the Dodgers, but they're stupid. I mean, you know, what I'm saying like they have all the tools that the Dodgers do in the sense that they're one of the older franchises, have a good farm system, have you know pretty analytically driven, but they just they can't pull the trigger on the on on the pitching. I mean, the pitching itself. And also the decisions like that. I mean, the decisions don't make sense to me. You have a lot of players on this team that are waiting to get in this lineup. I get that. But, but if you're not going to play them, you might as well get rid of them. I'm not, I'm not talking about Jordan Walker. I'm talking about the other role players that are in the outfield that should not really be playing over Jordan Walker at this point in his career. I mean, Jordan Walker's young, but he should be getting at bats. He deserves them. Um, and if you stop, if you just cut that supply off for Jordan Walker, it, it's not good for his career at all, like at all. I mean, you're, you're correct. Like, his move, moving one of your big stars to the minor leagues after giving him an opportunity for, what, 25 games? Like, that's not how you develop a player in the major leagues. You got to get at-bats. and it's like 74 at-bats. Yeah, you're punishing him while Nolan Arenado is sucking it up. Like, like, the Cardinals as a whole aren't performing right now, and you're taking it up just as a – like, you're taking it out on your top prospects. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of had a question about this. I mean, we can talk about this on the podcast. This is a genuine question. Why why does Taj Bradley keep going down to the minors? Are they just literally putting them there for the six day the six man rotation so that they can bring him up every every start he has? It seems like it. I, I don't at this know. point, after after several dominant starts from Taj Bradley, I see absolutely no reason why he doesn't make the starting rotation. This this is a similar instance. This is on the pitching side of things to what Jordan Walker's having right now. There's no reason Taj Bradley should go back down to the minors. He has been tearing it up. He looks like honestly the best starting pitcher on that team other than the chain. I, I there's a lot of there's a lot of future for him. You can't keep sending him down to the minors. I remember there was a guy named uh what was his name? Luis Gill on the on the Yankees. Yeah. Had like five good starts in a row and then the Yankees sent him down to the minors and he forgot how to pitch. He just wasn't good anymore. And, and I'm worried that's that something like that's going to happen again to a player like Taj Bradley, to a player like Jordan Walker. That that messes with your mental, man. It, it could ruin your entire career. You just got to let them play. If, they're, if you're if you're playing at an elite level in the major leagues, the highest level, just let let them continue doing it, man. Like James Altman, for example, too, man. You, you give him the chance, he you know pops off. You got to give him a chance. Not going to talk about the golden sombrero that Altman had today, but it's okay. I, your point is like well heard. You have young players. And you're choosing to play failing veterans over it. And it's it's not a good way to run your organization, in all honesty. It's not. Tom, what other – did you have any others for us? I mean – oh, for the buy or sell? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a Ronald Acuna one. I mean, this one's interesting because um, right now he's on pace to steal 81 bases. I see that unlikely that he continues this pace. But I'm going to I'm gonna lower it a little bit. Actually, let's just do an over-under, okay? Let's do let's do sixty two and a half stolen bases over under. Under. What's under? what's the record? Ricky oh, like Anderson with one thirty. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's not gonna break that. The last he's not gonna break eighty that. stolen base season was Jimmy Rollins. I want to say. Yeah, two thousand eight. Was it his MVP? Yeah. I'm pretty. Sure. I could see him going for sixty. I can see him going for sixty five. I see it as possible. I literally. He, what does he have right now? I mean, we, we talk about the 162-game average. He doesn't seem to be slowing down. He's actually stealing even more bases in the last 10 games than he was in the beginning 10 games. He likes running on the bases, man. Uh, it's good. I mean, I, I'm a little worried about injuries with him, but, you know, he seems to be a, a good base dealer, pretty elite, actually. Um, 
and at least a, a sub a sub buy or sell for you, Brad, because you, you're selling this one. Do you think he at least leads all of baseball in stolen bases? Uh, let me look at the stolen base leaderboard real quick. Because he, he's on top. I mean, he's definitely on top right now. I think he has 13 right now, maybe 14. Um, uh, stolen bases. Which he also on, leads which, baseball in war. And hits and doubles or something. I don't know. He's really good this year. So um, he's got 13. Horner, Mullins, Carroll, and Bay all have 10. I'm more concerned about Carroll getting that, but I'm more worried about Carroll getting on base to steal the bases. I feel like Acuna is going to have a lot more opportunity to, to get on base like that because he's leadoff batter, has decent dis- discipline at the plate. He's a guy that can you know hit to get on base too. Um, and I, I think there's no way that a, a guy in that position doesn't take the opportunity to steal a bunch of bags because I guess they really do. And the Braves organization, they like stealing bases too. I mean, I I think – I don't know, leading league and steal. Because that's one of those things you can't just straight up predict who's gonna win it and steals. It's just who's fast. I'm I, I but there's 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 a deeper reasoning too, because not only speed, you got like you got guys like Bobby Witt, who it, it, he's aggressive on the bases, but so thus far in the season hasn't reached base as many times, nearly as many times as Acuna and Carroll, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you know, there, you also have to pick a guy that, that has a tool to get on base. And I think the guy with the best tool and the best speed combined into a base stealer is Ronald Acuna. I think that that cements him as the, as the, at least the base stealing leader in all of baseball. I don't know if he hits 65, but I think he definitely leads all of baseball. Stez, do you agree? I'm buying, I'm buying both of them. Stez, what do you got? I think he will to, just because of where he's at in the lineup and everyone that's around him and just, I, I, I yeah, I can see it. I, I mean, I think his really only competition, like Tom said, would be like a Corbin Carroll, uh, Bobby Witt, maybe. Um, but I think I just I don't see them beating him out just because of the type of player Acuna is and the type of offense the Braves run. I think the Ready thing bucks? is I'm 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 arguing this in my head right now, right? Because it's gonna be they have to be a similar offensive caliber, right? So I'm look I'm looking at walk percentage right now. Like Mullins has a much better one. Anthony Volpe has a really good one. Uh, Stephen Kwan has a comparable one, but he's six steals behind right now. So it's that, and who can hit? Like I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll buy it. Yes. Oh, we got some buys today. We got some buys. I think last time was like all sells. It was really bad takes. We got some buys today. The market is popping. Um. Yeah. Uh. But also sub thing here. Do you think that Acuna is the NL MVP currently right now? If the season ends today, you know, 25 games season, do you think he's the MVP right now? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. Okay. I, I just, I just wanted to get your opinion. Cause I mean, I was definitely a Acuna doubter going into the season. You know, I, I saw the power numbers drop last season. I saw, you know, a, a couple concerning things. His peripherals were never a concern for me, but he has come in this season and, and kind of proved the haters wrong, including myself. Steph, like, were you a I'd hater? I'd like to see him launch a little bit. More. No. Yeah, because he still has the exit velocity that could make him a 40-home run guy. Um, But he seems to be hitting him on line drives. Uh, Do you have the, his, his batted ball profile up right now? Yeah. What's the uh, what's the line drive percentage? Uh, Line drive percentage is 22.4%. It's 55.3% on the ground, which is the highest of his career by 8%. Yeah, he's always been a guy that launches it into the Yeah, that that's the lowest fly ball percentage of his career by a lot. So I mean yeah. I think I think he still has the potential to be a a 40-40 threat in the future, especially now with the new stolen base rules, but I don't know 
do you think he's adjusted to the point where he doesn't want to go back to hitting home runs? Is he maybe more of a contact guy moving forward? No. I think Ronald Acuna wants to be the flashiest player in baseball. That's um, true. And I think, yeah, that, yeah. Okay, one more question before we wrap up. Is Ronald Acuna currently the most likely to hit the 40-40 season this year? Yeah, because I could see him easily going on a streak. I mean, even though I see it possible that Ronald Acuna hits like 10 home runs in a two-week span or like, you know, something like that. You can He can get really hot at times. So I see it as possible. Yeah, I think he's the most likely. Who else is on who that else, list? Yeah, who else is on that list? It wasn't. Like Julio Rodriguez would be there. Michael Harris, too, would be there when he gets back from the IL. Um, James Outman. Uh, James. Brad. Uh, Warner, just kidding, no. um, yeah, I mean, that's – and you could say Bobby Witt if he heats up, but he has not really shown that he's, you know, to the point Good. where he's launching like that. Yeah, like yeah. like Bobby Witt level, but yeah. Yeah. Um. No, and so that'll, that'll pretty much wraps anything up, everything up. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Um, both, Tom, you talked about you being a Cunha hater. I had him fourth in MVP, and Brad had him third before the season started. So, yes, you are the only Acuna hater on this podcast. Uh, my final thoughts are that the Giants are red hot right now. Let me check the Giants game right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure they beat the Cardinals again. Let's check it out. Okay, you beat the okay, Cardinals, we got we, we got we got shut out. We got actually oh. got shut out in the last By game Miles Michaelis. Uh, I shouldn't open my phone. I shouldn't have opened my phone. The Giants are going to win the World Series, boys. It's happening. It's on the run. Buy or sell next week. Keep your eye out for a Giants pennant. Uh, buy or sell. I'm buying that right now. Just letting y'all know. But that's uh, my final thoughts. All right. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, next episode, we won't have a buy or sell because it will be our April All-Stars. Uh, we'll be going over basically the best player at every position in both leagues. We'll have a pitching rotation where the ace is the Cy Young and the other five or the other four. It doesn't really matter the order. It's just the best five in the league. Three relievers. And we're going through the lineup and get a DH in both leagues because those exist now. Um, yeah. So that'll do it for this week's or this episode. Thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review, sharing this with a friend. We'll see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace. Steve!